0: podcast number 634 for the 17th of March, 2019. This week, if your computer's a few years old and you'd like it to be faster, the right change may no longer be to add RAM. Instead, maybe it's time to consider a solid-state disk drive. In short circuits, now would be a really good time to confirm that your browser is fully up-to-date. That's true for any browser, but this week it's particularly true for Chrome. Microsoft is beginning to badmouth its own Office suite in an attempt to convert users to Office 365. The scourge of robocalls continues to worsen, primarily because of inaction by the Federal Communications Commission, so we have to be vigilant about calls we receive. In most cases, though, it's not difficult to identify spam calls. In spare parts, only on the website. When you need to share a file, Firefox Share from Mozilla is ready to help, even if you don't use Firefox. Avast says your computer is in danger, and although they overstate the threat, a threat does exist. And Adobe's update to its experience design application, XD, this month includes a lot of worthwhile features. The refrain used to be, solid-state disk drives sure are nice, but they're too expensive. Well, now prices have dropped to levels that make them good choices for home computers. They're still more expensive than traditional mechanical drives, but not so much more expensive that sticker shock will cause you to reject the thought. So let's explore why you might want to install a solid-state disk drive. Those who want to accelerate an older computer should consider replacing a mechanical drive with a solid-state drive. Speed isn't the only advantage SSDs bring to the computer. Because there are no moving parts, there are no motors, and that means battery-powered computers will run longer on a single charge, they'll run cooler, and they'll be quieter. SSDs are also more durable than mechanical drives, so there's less danger from vibration and bumps. Not long ago, the first bit of advice for somebody who wanted to speed up an older computer was add memory. Well, that's still worth checking. But computers now come with more memory than they used to. Manufacturers now include enough memory for normal use in most cases. If your computer has 8GB or even 4 gigabytes of RAM, and you use it primarily for web browsing, email, and office documents, more RAM won't help. On the other hand, if you spend a lot of time editing high-resolution videos or large photographs, increasing the system's RAM to 16, or 32, or even 64 GB does make sense. A faster CPU, or one with more cores, would make your computer faster, but swapping the CPU is a very challenging task, much more so than replacing a disk drive or adding RAM. If you're thinking about upgrading the processor, it's probably time for a new computer. So, if you're looking for more speed from a computer that's a few years old, replacing the disk drive is probably the most cost-effective option these days. This is a task you can do yourself, but a local computer shop can do the job for you. If opening the computer case causes you to break out in hives, this may cost 100 bucks or so, but you can be sure that no essential steps will be missed. Samsung and Sandisk have one terabyte SSDs for around one hundred twenty five dollars. A much smaller two hundred forty gigabyte Kingston drive is selling for thirty bucks. You can buy a five hundred gigabyte Western digital SSD for around seventy dollars. Samsung has a sixteen terabyte, yes, sixteen terabyte SSD, but you really don't want to know the well, maybe you do want to know the price. It's about ten thousand dollars. If you need more than one terabyte, Crucial does have a two terabyte sSD for around three hundred dollars. Now, by comparison, a one terabyte high performance Western digital drive sells for about sixty five dollars. A two terabyte high performance drive will cost around a hundred and twenty, and a high performance western digital four terabyte drive can be had for about two hundred dollars. so there is still a price difference, and it is still significant but it's a lot less than it was a few years ago. If the computer has a mechanical drive that's the same size or smaller than the SSD you'll use to replace it, all you have to do is migrate the operating system and data from the mechanical drive to the SSD, remove the mechanical drive, install the SSD, and continue normally and much faster. In the case I've just described, you would be replacing one drive with another. In addition to choosing the data capacity of the drive, which is expressed in gigabytes or terabytes, you'll have a choice of physical sizes. The two most common sizes are 3.5-inch drives, commonly used in desktop systems and some notebooks, and and 2.5-inch drives, used almost exclusively in notebook computers. A few other form factors exist for specialized uses. Some desktop systems have only five and a quarter inch disk bays, so installing a smaller SSD in one of those computers requires the use of a mounting bracket. You can replace a large mechanical boot drive with a lower capacity SSD boot drive, but that's a little more complex. The process is easy if you have a desktop computer with at least one open drive bay. In that case, you'd migrate the operating system and programs to the SSD, install it in an open slot, and then leave the old drive for data. The process becomes more complex with a notebook computer. These usually have space for only a single drive, so you'd need to replace the mechanical drive with an SSD, And then place the mechanical drive in an external enclosure that can be attached to the computer. Before you proceed though, do take a close look at the computer. If it's a Windows 10 system, the upgrade probably makes sense. If it's a Windows 7, Windows 8, or Windows 8.1 computer, or started out as one, think about upgrading to a new computer, but probably adding an SSD will be okay. If the computer predates Windows 7, Well, it's definitely time to think about buying a new computer, and these days you can buy a new Windows 10 machine for $300 to $500. The notebook computers will be a little more. Unless that new computer comes with a solid state drive, you may still want to upgrade the hard drive to an SSD, but you'll have a faster system, even if you don't. So why is it that SSDs are faster? Well, mechanical drives have platters that rotate and read-write heads that float just a few microns above the surface. Positioning the read-write heads and waiting for the data being sought to be under those heads takes time. The faster the disk spins, the less time is spent waiting. Consumer-grade computers usually have disks that spin at 5,400 or 7,200 RPM. That may seem fast, but compared to the speed of electricity, it's not and the real high-end drives spin at 15,000 RPM. They're a lot faster, but they're also noisy, and they run hot. SSDs, as I mentioned, have no moving parts, so there are no heads that need to be positioned, no platters that need to rotate into position. Instead, data is fetched from solid-state components with virtually no delay. If you're ready to do this, you're going to have to clone your disk drive. And there are a couple of ways to do that, but let's consider what cloning means. It is far different from copying. If you copy all of the files from your boot drive to a new drive, the new drive will not boot. Creating a bootable drive involves duplicating everything from the old boot drive to the new one, and that requires cloning software. Fortunately, there are two options. One is easy. The other is easier. We'll start with the easy one. Clonezilla is a free application. After downloading it, you'll need to burn the ISO file to a CD. Next, you'd connect the new drive to the computer and use the Clonezilla CD to boot the computer. Load Clonezilla, select the old drive as the source, the new drive as the destination. After waiting for the process to finish, shut the computer down, install the new drive, restart the computer. Now, obviously, I've omitted quite a bit of information there and a bunch of steps you'll need data and power connections for the new drive. You may need to access the computer's BIOS to enable booting from a CD, and later to set the new drive as the boot device if you're going to keep the old drive in the computer. Although this process is easy and free, it does assume some knowledge about cables, BIOS settings, and things like that. So how about the easier option? Well, you'll have to spend about 50 bucks, but the Sabrent ec 2 standalone duplicator dock lets you clone an existing hard drive without the use of a host computer system. After cloning the drive, you can use the Sabrent device to connect external disk drives to the computer via USB 3. The duplication process is easy, extremely easy. You place the source drive, either a 2.5-inch or a 3.5-inch drive, in the slot, On the left side of the device place the destination drive which can also be a two and a half or three and a half inch drive in the slot on the right side and push a button when the process is complete you'll need to install the new disk drive and then decide what to do with the old drive fortunately all of the ssd manufacturers seem to provide comprehensive instructions that detail most of the process you will need to obtain information from the computer manufacturer for how to open the case and how to access the disk drive. Most manufacturers do make that information freely available, but that is yet another good reason, possibly, for having a computer professional do the job. In short circuits, now would be a really good time for anyone who uses the Chrome browser to confirm that the installed version is 72.0.3626.12 or later. Chrome OS users should see a 122 at the end of the version number instead of 121. The version fixes a flaw that was found at the end of February. That flaw can be used by malicious web pages to load spyware ransomware, and other types of malware onto the computer. Now, by default, Chrome does update itself, and turning off the auto-update feature is something that Google software engineers made intentionally difficult to change. So, if you haven't turned off auto-update, the latest version should already be on your computer, but be a good idea to check it. Open the Chrome menu, select Help, and then click About to display the current version. If the latest version isn't shown, you should also find a button that can be used to download and install the update. When Google discovered the flaw, they also identified a problem with Windows and reported that to Microsoft. The Windows vulnerability does not affect Windows 10. According to Google, we strongly believe this vulnerability may be exploitable only on Windows 7, due to recent exploit mitigations added in newer versions of Windows. To date, we have only observed active exploitation against Windows 7 32-bit systems. So, if you're one of those people who elected to stick with Windows 7 in the belief that it is safer than Windows 10, maybe it's time to rethink that choice. If you'd like to read more, check out Google's security blog. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. Here's a question. Does Microsoft want you to buy the Office suite? Now you might think the answer is yes, but actually it is no. Microsoft would much prefer that you rent Office 365, which provides a reliable income stream for the company, but it might be a better choice for you too. When Microsoft released Office 2019 in September 2018, they said it would not be the last. Now the company is actively discouraging buying the version with a perpetual license, I quote, Office 365 is connected to the cloud so you can access the content from any device, co-author with anyone in real time, regardless of whether or not they've purchased a copy of Office and use the power of artificial intelligence to create impactful content with less effort. On the flip side, Office 2019 also delivers full installs of the Office apps we know and love. Remember, I'm reading Microsoft copy here, but they are frozen in time. They don't ever get updated with new features, and they're not cloud-connected. Also, Office 2019 doesn't support real-time co-authoring across apps, and it doesn't have the amazing AI-powered capabilities that come with Office 365. Well, that's what Microsoft has to say. Now, Microsoft is right about all that, and the ability to install Office applications on several computers for $100 a year does make it a relative bargain if you need what Office has to offer. If all you really need is a word processor, a spreadsheet, a presentation application, and a database manager, maybe your better choice would be LibreOffice, which is full-featured and free, or Google's Office Suite, which is cloud-based and free, but it does lack a lot of features that some users will consider to be essential. So, although Microsoft might release one more version of the Office Suite with a perpetual license, it is increasingly clear that the company's attitude is migrating, And they'd like you to migrate, too. The Federal Communications Commission could stop illegal robocalls by requiring that service providers verify the source of the calls. But that hasn't happened and it isn't likely to happen under Ajit Pai's leadership. So, scam calls that claim to be from the Internal Revenue Service, or the Social Security Administration, or your bank, just keep increasing. The volume of robocalls increased by 60% in 2018 over 2017. Until the FCC and the service providers do something, all we can do is sign up with one of the services that attempts to stifle unwanted calls. All of them improve your odds of blocking the scammers, but all of them miss some of the calls. Now, not all robocalls are bad. Medical offices call to remind patients of appointments. Banks and credit card providers use robocalls to alert cardholders about possible fraudulent use. These calls are legal, legitimate, and well-intentioned. The calls are also in the minority. By far, most robocalls are illegal or malicious or both. Some calls may appear to come from nearby phones that are in your area code and exchange. Others can spoof the names and numbers of government agencies, but most calls contain pretty strong clues that they've been made by imposters. For example, here's a voicemail message that was on my phone the other day. You don't need to be a genius to recognize this as a scam, but it must be working for the scammer. We have found some suspicious and criminal activities connected to your social security number we suspect it is an identity theft situation with the orders from code and the judiciary department we are counseling your social security number for further information and to avoid any disciplinary action kindly call us back as soon as you receive this message our direct line number will be five zero nine nine five five one seven zero six. I repeat five zero nine nine five five one seven zero six. Thank you. Good day. What are the clues here that this is a scam? Well the voice is heavily accented. It is unlikely that any federal agency would hire someone with such a vivid accent to record a message for outbound calls. Also, the number associated with the call makes it appear to originate in Yakima, Washington. At last check, the Social Security Administration was in Washington, D.C., and the phone would be in the 202 area code. Also, part of the message is unintelligible. Certainly, a federal agency's communications professionals would not allow the recording to be used. There is a threat in the message that my social security number will be cancelled. Well, social security numbers cannot be canceled or suspended. You'll find that information on the Federal Trade Commission's website. If you want to see it, there's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website to the FTC website. And the message says that if someone has stolen your identity, no disciplinary action will be taken against you. Well, if someone has stolen my identity, why would anyone take disciplinary action against me? Silly. If you receive a call like that and you're still not sure that it's a phony, call the real Social Security Administration. 1-800-772-1213. And there's no phony information in spare parts, which is only on the website. This week, when you need to share a file, Firefox Share from Mozilla is ready to help, even if you don't use Firefox. Avast says your computer is in danger, and although they overstate the threat, a threat does exist. And Adobe's update to its experience design application, XD, this month includes a lot of worthwhile features. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blynn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.